Okay, so today's daf is Chet in Yoma. The first word in line, it's 14 lines from the top. First word is Nema, which is actually where we're starting from. Nema, Maybe these Tanaim that we saw that argue about whether the, the issue was is Tumah Dechuya Betzibor or Tumah Hutra Betzibor, which means do we just simply say we don't care? Hutra means we, it doesn't exist. The idea of Tumah Betzibor in a communal level doesn't exist. Or do we say that Tumah Dechuya Betzibor, which means it exists, we can push it off, but there has to be a reason, an extenuating circumstance. It can't just be that we don't care about it. We do care, right? Maybe that Machloket is Kanetanai. It's the same as the Machloket we see elsewhere. We saw that the two Kohanim, the Kohen Gadol who's preparing for Yom Kippur, and also the Kohen who's preparing, preparing to prepare the uh, ashes of the Parah Duma, both of these Kohanim have a seven-day period of sequestering. And during that time, it says that they would put on them from all of the paraduma uh, that they had from before. In other words, every day, all seven days, they would put paraduma ashes on both of these kohanim during their seven days of separation. Rabbi Yossi Omer in Mazina Lava the Shlishi Ushvi Bilvan. Rabbi Yossi is more uh, thinks of it. That, no, they only did the third and the seventh day because normally, what do you do with the person who became tamei? The third day, meaning if they became tamei on Monday, so then the, the third day after that. Is when they become is when they uh, uh, when they uh, first have para aduma. They can't go the same day that they become tamei. You have to wait till day number three. They get uh, they have the paraduma number one, and then four days later, day number seven, they go for the second treatment of the paraduma. So he says the same thing. If you're going to you know, give him on the third day, in other words, imagine that he became tamei the day that he came in. Okay, so then day three is the the third day, and then the, day seven. You don't have to do it every single day. What's the point every single day? He says, I'm going to take the middle position, says Rabbi Hanina Sagana Kohanim. If he's preparing the Parah Aduma, then we put it on him every single day, all seven days. But if he's preparing for, for Yom Kippur, then only the third and the seventh day. We'll see what the reason is between these uh, points, but, the, but you have two extremes. You have Rabbi Meir who says both, in both cases, they put Parah Aduma ashes on the coin every single day of the seven days that he separated. According to Rabbi Yossi, only third and seventh, and according to uh, Rabbi Chaninas Kohanim, it depends what he's doing. If he's if he's separated because he's preparing paraduma, then they put it on him every day. And if he is uh, preparing for Yom Kippur, only third and seventh day. Okay. Now, my love, Palgi, can't we interpret their machloket in light of the machloket that we learned yesterday? That Rabbi Meir Savar Tum Since Rabbi Meir holds that Tum is pushed off, in other words, that really you have to be sensitive to Tum We're wor- but we're worried about it, but. Um, and so we have to make every effort to try to avoid Tum'ah B'tzibur if we can. So therefore he says you put it on every single day. For Rabbi Yossi says about Tum'ah Hutra should say he B'tzibur. But Rabbi Yossi says no, it's push, it, it doesn't exist. And therefore we don't have to worry about it at all. Okay, maybe that's the Machloket. Of course that doesn't fit at all. Why not? Because if Rabbi Yossi holds it, there's no Tum'ah at all in the community. So why does he require him to put it on the third and the seventh day? That doesn't fit with his shita. If he says he doesn't have to put the parad uh, ashes on him at all, then we would uh, then it would make sense that he meant that there's no Tum'ah at all B'tzibur. But the fact that he says you have to do at least the third and the seventh day means he cares about it. He does care. So everybody here cares that we have to try to avoid the Kohen Gadol being Tamei uh, Clearly, these Tanaim are maintaining the position that there is such a thing as Tum'ah in the community, it's just that it has to be overridden by some factor. Um, it can be overridden by another factor. Here's the Machloket. That the question is whether we say What that means is means that is there a mitzvah? 
to go and do something exactly on the day that it was supposed to be. Uh, that it, when, when you have to go to the mikveh, you have to go exactly, let's say, the day that the tumah expires. You have to go as early as possible. There's such a thing as going as early as possible. ASAP. Right, let's say you have a person has a one-day tumah. They have to go to the mikveh that day, uh, or, or they have a seven-day tumah. They have to go to the mikveh that night, or they say, okay, I'm out of, I'm in the clear now. I finished my, uh, I finished my time of tumah. And whenever I get around to it, I'll go to the mikveh. What's the rush? I don't have to go to the Beit HaMikdash today. Why do I have to rush? Right, so tevilah bizmana mitzvah means that a person needs to go as soon as possible. In other words, as soon as the opportunity presents itself to go to the mikveh, the person should go. The idea of tevilah bizmana is not a mitzvah, is that there's no rush right away to go. It's that you, you just have to wait for the period of tumah to be over, and then whenever you're ready, you go. Right, so the, so the question... Why not? That's only if you care. If they, but if they don't care about being tamei either, maybe they're also tamei. If they're not going to the Beit Hamikdash and they're not eating teruma and they're not eating uh, kodashim, they don't. They don't have to be tamei uh, tahor. It applies to women also. Who go the you know. Right. It applies to women from mikveh today also. Yeah, but, but how is bismana not bismana? There's no difference. Like, the husband is in Why town, not? The husband is not in town. Why is there no difference? Not if the person is a Zav and he finishes the seven days, does he have to go right away to the mikveh? Or he could wait. He could wait as long as he wants. He, right. he, it's, it's no, Either or, even if, let's say, if we follow Bizdana right. and he doesn't go the next day, he's still told me that his status doesn't change. Everyone agrees that. The but question is, is there even a reason that he has to rush? Does he have to rush? Or can he wait as long as he wants? Minimize the time that he would be right. Meaning, if a woman is in Nida and she finishes Nida, her husband is not around, he's away for three months. Does she have to go to the mikveh right away? Obviously, if he's in town. Right, if he's in town, it's a different story. But if, I'm saying, if he's, that's why I said he's not in town. So what's, what's the... Does she have to go? Is it a mitzvah to go and be right away? Or, 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 or no, uh, whenever you want to. So if you're not going to the Beit HaMikdash, you're not touching Korbanot, you're not touching Trumah, you're not there. So what's a... Maybe if it's a mitzvah, but maybe it's not a mitzvah. Maybe it's like shechita, that uh, to make meat kosher, you have to do shechita, and to be tahor, you have to go to the mikveh, but it's not a mitzvah to be tahor. Who said it's a mitzvah to be tahor? If, you, if, if, you, if you're not going to the, to the Beit HaMikdash, who said? Right? That, that's, that's basically the question. Right, so if you're going to say to Vila that uh, that uh, that the idea of um, the, so what's the connection here? So Rabbi Meir is saying like this. So first day you do the you do the hazai, you put the uh, ashes on him because maybe two days ago we touched a dead body, right? Second day maybe that's really the third day since he last touched a bo- dead body. Third day maybe that's the day, right? In other words, according to him, since you have to try to target the right day. And so a person who touched a dead body would have to try to get the haza'ah on the exact third day from the time that he touched the body. So you have to do it every single day because maybe that's the third day since he touched a dead body. Maybe it's tomorrow, maybe the third day. Right? And then on the other side, maybe this is the seventh day now. Since that was the third day, this will be the seventh day. Since that was the third day, this will be the seventh day. So that's why he has you doing it every day. Now, of course, the Gemara is going to mention, like I had mentioned a couple of days ago, that the fourth day wouldn't be included because the fourth day for sure can't be either the third or the seventh day. Right? But, um, but the other days could be. In other words, if the, if day, the day, first day that he's in the uh, sequestering is actually the third day since he touched a dead body, so that means that the fifth day would be day seven, not the, not the fourth day. 
right? So they so, uh, it so works. Why do you um, do the fourth day? They they don't. But we didn't get to that yet. Mm-hmm. That's I had mentioned it a couple of days ago. Yeah, but um, but in any case, the idea is that each one of those days, the reason why he's doing every day is because since has the abismana mitzvah, and we don't know which the third day is, so we have to try every day, and we don't know which the seventh day is. Rabbi Yossi is saying. I don't care if it's exactly the third day. Just do it on the third day, and maybe it's that's actually the fifth day since you touched the tumah. Maybe it's the tenth day since you touched the tumah. I don't care. Whatever it is, and then as long as there's at least four days space between the uh, between the third and the f- and, and, and the seventh, then it's good. So what what difference does it make? You have to do it every single day. Right, so that, that's how the Gemara is interpreting. Now, but it says that's not true. Is it really true that Rabbi Yossi says that there's no mitzvah doing tefillah in the proper time? But then we learned it in the the case of the person who writes the name of Hashem. We learned it in Masechet Shabbat. Okay? A person writes the name of Hashem on his body. Sometimes you see people, they tattoo on their body the name of Hashem. This isn't talking about that. It's talking about writing it. But the point is, he has it on him. So what's the problem? So that person is not allowed to uh, wash his, his body in that area because he's going to erase the name of Hashem. He can't put oil. He's going to erase the name of Hashem. He shouldn't stand in a dirty place because it's, he has the name of Hashem on it. Right? So what should he do? He has a mitzvah that he has to go to the mikveh. So what should he do? So then he has to wrap a loosely, obviously, so that the water um, can get to touch all of his body, but loosely enough that it doesn't... Um, Rush against his body too much and erase the uh, erase the name of Hashem. So he puts like a loose cloth. Uh, again, he's like a uh, like a, a, a reed or something uh, loosely around him to protect it. Now, um, however, Rabbi Yossi says no. He can go normally if it's a tefillah shel mitzvah. He can go and uh, he doesn't have to cover it at all. Just don't rub on that area. There is whether In other words, the whole thing over there is that the Tanakhama is saying that it's not a mitzvah to go to the mikveh right now. You could wait until the name uh, wears off. So since you could have waited and you want to go now, so you have to cover it in some way to diminish the uh, erasure of the name. But according to Rabbi Yossi, that it's a mitzvah to go right away, so you go right away and you don't have to cover it. That's the point. But we see that Rabbi Yossi he says that tefillah bizmana mitzvah. So then, why here? Ella dekule al malahanet and amrinat tefillah bizmana mitzvah. So we do say that tefillah bizmana mitzvah. So why? So why doesn't Rabbi Yossi say that every day the person should go, the kohen gadol should go and have the hazaah on the first day, the second day, the third day? Because maybe the first day that he's sequestered is actually the third day since he touched the tumah. Maybe the second day that he's sequestered is the third day since he touched the tumah. Maybe the third day is the third day. Since we don't know, maybe he should go every day, like Rabbi Meir says. So vachaba hakam mipalgi. The Rabbi Meir savar. There's a different issue, which is everyone agrees that tevilah bismana mitzvah, but who says hazaah bismana mitzvah? It's a different thing. Hazaah is the splashing of the ashes of the parah aduma. It's not necessarily the same thing as tevilah. Tevilah bismana mitzvah. Tevilah is something that we recognize. We know what it is. That's talking about immersion in a mikveh. This is not immersion in a mikveh. This is having the parah aduma ashes sprinkled on you. So maybe that doesn't have the same rule as Tevilah Bismana Mitzvah. Right? Well, it does, uh-huh. but who says that Who says that it's the same as Tevilah Bismana Mitzvah? It's two different things. But it doesn't change your task. It, once they do Hazaah, you do not become Third tahor. day, seventh day, and then Mikveh, you have, you have to, to go. So Mikveh right. is the one that changes Right, so the point is, maybe we'll just say Mikveh is the one that's uh, Bismana Mitzvah, but maybe not Hazaah. So, they did it in Yerushalayim. Yeah. So the, the thing is that 
So now it makes sense. So Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Yossi are two extreme views because Rabbi Meir is saying Hazah is the same as Tevilah. And just like Tevilah, we don't know what day is the correct day so the person has to, would have to, and actually there's a discussion in Masachini that we talked about, a person who, uh, the woman who doesn't know when her uh, period of uh, being a Yoledit is over. She has to go so many times. I don't know if you guys remember from Masachet Nida, the woman is going like so many times in the month because to the, to the mikveh because, oh, maybe my Yoledit period ended now. I'm not sure if it was a boy or a girl and I'm not sure when I gave birth. So it could be this time, could be that time. So she has to go to the mikveh so many times because Tvilab is Mana Mitzvah, right? So here he's saying the same thing. So he has to go every day, Tvilab is Mana Mitzvah, or Hazaab is Mana Mitzvah. So therefore, every day he would have to have the Hazaab, the uh, Paraduma, according to Rabbi Yehira. And according to Rabbi Yossi, that it's not, Hazaab is not compared to Tvila. So therefore, there is no requirement that it has to actually start on the third day from when he touched a dead body. It, it's not so exact. And it has to be exactly the seventh day from when he touched the dead body. It's just that there has to be a space between the third day and the seventh day. But it doesn't have to be that um, it's exactly the third day, exactly the seventh day from the contact with the dead body. So therefore, he doesn't require it for either case. He doesn't require it for the Kohen Gadol that's preparing for Yom Kippur that he have it every single day. And he doesn't require it for the Kohen that's preparing to do the Paraduma every single day. So it makes sense. But Rabbi Chanina Sagana Kohenim said, if he's preparing for the Paraduma, then he has to have it every single day. And if he's preparing for the, for, to go for Yom Kippur, he doesn't have to have it every single day. Only third and seventh. That doesn't make any sense. It should be either one or the other one. Why should it, why should it be different what he's preparing for? If you say to be, that Hazab is mana is also mitzvah, so therefore every day you have to cover your bases and have him do it every day. And if you're going to say that it's not, so then neither case should have it. So what's, what's the reason to have it every day for one and not every day for the other? So it says, ah. She says that is not a mitzvah. So therefore, why does the Kohen that prepares the Paraduma have to have it every single day? It's just that when it comes to the Kohen is preparing the Paraduma, it's Ma'ala It's a special extreme that we go to with the Kohen who's preparing the Paraduma. And if you remember, the reason why they went to extremes of purity with the Paraduma case is because since on the day that he, prepared, that he actually went Really, it says everything is Ishtar. It has to be a pure person who does it. But they made him Tamei with a light Tum'ah on that day and made him go to the Mikveh before he did it to show that a Tevul Yom is allowed to do it. Because the Tzadokim were arguing and saying that, 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 there was, that it wasn't true. So he went purposely to become... So for everything else, they were very extreme about the purity of the Kohen Gadol, right? And so, so that people wouldn't take it lightly because of that one exception. So therefore... They went to extremes, but really, technically, even according to Rabbi Chanina Sagana Kohanim, you don't have to hit exactly day three and exactly day seven and do it every single day. You have the Paraduma to make sure that you hit day three and day seven. Day seven. You don't have to do that, according to him. Now, okay, ma- so yeah. people were so important, they came and changed halachot. Yes, they were extremely so important. What do you mean? They had a huge influence on so the Beit HaMikdash by Cheney. Some of the Kohanim Gedolim were Tzadokim. Some of the people got into the Sanhedrin because the politics was mixed up with the religion. That's what happens in politics and religion mix. You get somebody just not qualified, becomes a chief rabbi of this, becomes a... It's hap, it still happens in some places. You know, becomes a rabbi of this, rabbi of that, because it's not qualified, but because of politics, the, this happened, that happens, that's what happened. So the Kohanim Dolim were tzadokim. They made them swear before... You, you read the Avodah of Yom Kippur. They made them swear. He won't change anything. You know, because, they, because because he's going into the he's going into the Kodesh Kodeshim. They can't watch what he's going to do in there. Maybe the tzaddoki is going to do something else. There's a famous story in Mishnah Sukkah about the tzaddoki Kohen who poured the Nisuch on his feet, right? And they threw the etrogim. So it's uh, so it's obviously was a problem. It's a big problem. Now, anyway, um, 
אין בין כהן השורף הדפרה לכהן הגדול ביום הכיפורים, אלא, there's no difference between the כהנים who are, the כהן who is separating for seven days in order to do the יום כיפור עבודה, and the one who is separating in order to do the פרדמה, אלא שזה פרישתו לקדושה ואחיו הכהנים נוגעים בו. One is doing it for קדושה. And his brothers, the other Kohanim, are allowed to touch him. In other words, they're allowed to interact with him, the one that's preparing for Kiddushah. And v'zeh prishato letara, ve'en achav ha'konim no'gin bo. Because in the case of the preparation for Yom Kippur, it's more of a, medita- a meditative time to prepare him for Kiddushah. Rashi explains, he says, likanes demachne shechina, because he's going into the holiest place, ve'lo yeli bo zach alav. We don't want him to be like arrogant, he has to be humbled. Ve'en nivdal mikol kalut rosh, shechal alav e'mah, the whole idea of him being separate is to be mentally in the right state to be able to enter the Kodesh HaKodeshim or to be able to do that Avodah. It's a mental thing. So if he interacts with his bro- the other Kohanim, there's nothing wrong with that as long as it's, it's appropriate. But, but when it comes to the Kohen who's separating for the sake of the Paraduma, that's an issue of Tahara. And he doesn't want to interact with people that might also be carrying Tum'ah. And then he's going to have to worry about maybe I actually got to, became Tamei inadvertently after all this because I was interacting with other people that maybe they were Tamei and so on. So that would be more strict in that case. So Benaut says Keman. So according to whom does this go? Ok Rebbe Meir, Ok Rebbe Yossi. It must follow either Rebbe Meir or Rebbe Yossi because it's saying there's no difference between the Kohen Gadol preparing for Yom Kippur during those seven days and the Kohen who's preparing to do the uh, Parah Adumah. But according to Rebbe Hanina Sagana Kohanim, there's another difference. Which is the Kohen that's preparing. In other words, Rabbi Meir says that in both cases, there's Hazza'ah all seven days of the Parah Aduma ashes on that Kohen. According to Rabbi Yossi, only third and seventh day. But according to Rabbi Chanina Sagana Kohanim, there's a difference between the two because the Kohen Gadol preparing for Yom Kippur only does third and seventh. And the Kohen who is preparing to do the Parah Aduma does all, every single day. So there's another difference. Why doesn't it mention it in the Brayta? Oh, it obviously doesn't hold like Rabbi Chanina Sagana Kohanim then. So the Gemara says. Because if this were representing the view of Rabbi Chanina Sagana Kohanim, then it would have had to mention another difference between the two, which is that the Kohen Gadol only has to do third and seventh. The other Kohen does every single day. Fine. Now, this is what I mentioned to you before. Rabbi Yosef Rabbi Chanina said, I did math in school and I know that there's something wrong here. I understand the first day that the Kohen comes in, maybe that's the third day since he touched a dead body. Second day he's in there, maybe it's the third day because maybe two days ago. Right? Shlishi, Shema Shlishi. Maybe the same, maybe the day that he gave, came in, he touched something he didn't realize. Tumat met. So third day could be the third day since he touched something. But, Chamishi, Shema Shvi'i. And then on the other side, the fifth day, maybe it's the seventh day because if the third day of his sequestering was the, if the first day rather of his sequestering was the third day, right? So that would mean, uh, fourth, fifth, sixth, right? So that would mean that the, the seventh day is the fifth day, right? That he's sequestered. And Shishi, the seventh day that he's sequestered, if the second day that he came in was really the third day of the count, so that means the sixth day is the, is the seventh day. And, uh, and then Shvi'i, Shema Shvi'i, and maybe the third day he was sequestered was really the third day, uh, was really the third day since he touched a dead body, and that would mean that the seventh day is really the seventh day for the Parah Adumah, so it works out. So that means that one, two, and three, we understand what the Safek is that he has to have Parah Adumah according to Rabbi Meir. And we understand, and according to Rabbi Chanina Sagana Kohanim for the person preparing the Parah Adumah. And we understand why fifth, sixth, and seventh also could potentially each one of them be a seventh day. But the fourth day doesn't make sense. Rabbi why would the fourth day be? Because if the fourth, because he's already been in there for three days. So in other words, was, was, was Ben Hashmashot? But he came in during this first day. He the came first in. That he came in Ben Hashmashot got tameh. No, no, but it, it goes by the day itself. Meaning, if you touch a dead body today, 
then Wednesday you do day one. So if he's already sequestered on Monday, right? So then Wednesday is day three already from day one. So even if that morning he touched something before he came in, it's already Wednesday, it's already day three. He's already day three for him. There's no way for him being in that chamber that by day four it would be a third day. There's no way. Right? So why do you have to do day four? But according to you that you're being so literal, do we actually have seven days of Hazaah ever? We said, we learned the Masachat Shabbat that you're not allowed to do Hazaah, you're not allowed to do the, the Paraduma. We don't apply the Paraduma. Also, we learned it in Pesachim, I think, actually, not in Shabbat. Right? You, that you, you, the, the Hazaah is done, not, it's not done on Shabbat. Right? So we never really do it for seven days. So obviously when we said seven, we meant except for Shabbat. And also when it said seven, it meant except for the fourth day. Meaning it wasn't being literal. When it says every day, it means every day except the one that obviously doesn't make any sense would be, be number four. Just like when it says every day, it, it doesn't mean Shabbat. Now, So when it comes to Yom Kippur, we don't have any control about when Yom Kippur falls out. We can't tell him to separate on a particular day. So the third of Tishrei, which so basically on Som Gedalia, is when he would go and to separate, right? It doesn't matter what third, whatever the third day is, meaning even if it's Shabbat or whatever, we put him, that's the day that he has to separate. It doesn't matter uh, what day of the week it falls out. Um, but when it comes to the Kohen who is burning the Paraduma that we get to choose when he's going to prepare because we get to schedule it on our own, on ourselves, right, ourselves. So we always make him start on Wednesday. So the fourth day falls on Shabbat. In other words, so we don't miss more than we have to because... If the if the Kohen who is preparing the Paraduma went on a different day, so we already know on the fourth day he's not going to have Hazaah because there's no Hazaah on the fourth day because it doesn't make any sense. And he's also not going to have Hazaah on Shabbat because you're not allowed to do Hazaah on Shabbat. So he's going to miss two days of it. So what we do is we schedule it so the fourth day that he's in there is also Shabbat. So the day that he misses because it's the fourth day, he also misses because it's Shabbat. And we consolidate the missing so he ends up getting six. When it comes to the Kohen Gadol preparing for Yom Kippur, we don't have control over when it's going to be. So the fourth day he won't do it because it doesn't make any sense. According to Rabbi Meir that the Kohen Gadol does that. Right? Or every day. So fourth day he won't do it. And Shabbat, he won't do it. He'll miss, end up missing potentially two uh, of the Hazaot. So it, meaning, it, don't take it literally when it says seven days. It means every day that you can, that it makes sense to do it. Not every single day necessarily. Now, it says Lishkat Paradrin that the Kohen was separated to Lishkat Parhedrin. And that Vichulei doesn't belong there. And Tanya says in the right, it should say, Amar Rabbi Yehuda. Vichil Lishkat Parhedrin haita v'halo Lishkat Balvati haita. It wasn't called Lishkat Parhedrin, uh, which means like officers of the king. It's the Lashon, it, it should have been Balvati, which means like Sarim, princes. In other words, it made it, it would be like clerks. It would be, it would be like calling it like a government clerk as opposed to an officer, like a high level pers- ranking person, right? So it's like uh, the, the person who works at the DMV is like a, uh, it would be like a Parhedrin, you know? The person who is like somebody high up, I don't know, secretary of the whatever, would be somebody called uh, Sarim, like somebody higher, Balvati is a higher, 
higher level. So why did they make the name so low? It says, Ela, but Balvati. In the beginning, they called it the prince's chamber because the Kohen Gadol, honoring the Kohen Gadol, they stays in there. But when they started buying the Kihuna, it started to become pay, pay-to-play situation during the Chashmonaim period where whoever had money, they would influence. And that's why a lot of Tzadokim got in because they were also very wealthy. They were also very rich. Which, you know, so they, you know, they, uh, that's another reason they had influence. So every 12 months they would have to replace the Kohen Gadol because usually he would die going into the Kodesh of Kodeshim because he was no good, you know, phony guy. And so they would have to replace it and the new Kohen Gadol would say, oh, well, this is not my style. You know, this is a, this is a French style. I'm going to do an Italian style. Whatever. They would, they would redo it every month, every 12 months because the new Kohen Gadol would say, well, I want my chamber for my seven days to be, you know, Nicer than the previous one, so they would renovate it. So they, so therefore, uh, they they called it the the chamber of the clerks. I mean, these guys switch just like uh, you know, uh, low level government employees are always changing. You know, so they're like low level government employees. They're not like sarim anymore. Okay. So now it's a just like they change those, you know, those the, the people who work for the government happen in Washington. You see a lot because a lot of the people, you know, whoever works like, especially the people who are like interns or they're lower level uh, people. So whenever the administration changes, they all lose their jobs. They all, you know, they, they have to get a new job. Right, some of the people in the higher up positions don't like the like. Let's say like obviously you know, right? Like Dr. Fauci, but like you know, or FAA where my dad works. Any of the any of the like the the institutional government uh, positions that are like the Sarim, the people who are permanent, but the people who are the lower level, they they're out when the when the administration changes. So it's the same thing. He's saying the the Gdola became like that. It became like uh, an internship in Washington. It switched around all the time. So therefore, So they called it the clerk's chamber, basically. Now, we have a similar thing. They bring this Mishnah because it's a similar concept from Masechet Demai. It says, So the Chachamim only required bakers. So they, they had a lot of kulot for bakers, actually, with, uh, with separating chala. And things like that because it was difficult. When you're working in your home, to separate a certain percentage seems like a small amount. But if you're working on a commercial level, separating 124th is a lot. You know, separating 148th, whatever. They lowered it to make it a little bit easier for them. They also, right, when it comes to demai, if they had to separate also demai. Demai is that when you buy flour or, you, you know, grain from an Amharitz, a person that is not necessarily so meticulous in their, uh, uh, you know, observance of the laws, you have to separate the demai that you don't know what the status is. Now, demai of truma, everyone separated, so they didn't have to separate truma. But maser, they had to separate. They separated maser, and then they would say, okay, now, once they separated maser, they could actually keep it, because then it becomes dine mamonot, if the levi could prove that he really, uh, that the person who he bought it from didn't separate maser, he surely could take it, but otherwise not, right? So they, it says they only made them do trumat, but they had to take out the trumat maser, which was for a kohen. Right? That has kedusha. So they would take out the maser, trumat maser. They could keep the maser itself, because since a levi would have to prove that he was really entitled to it, and, and it, it doesn't have kedusha, the maser, he could keep that. But the trumat maser he had to give to a kohen, right? So that's the, that's the demai. And chala, they also required them to separate chala. So bishlama, that bishlama truma gedola, no, we understand why they didn't have to separate truma gedola. Regu- that's the regular Tumah of the Kohen. Why? Because Yochanan, the Kohen Gadol, sent in all of the Jewish people. He saw that the average person in a village only knew about Tumah Gdola. 
It wasn't that they only knew about it. They thought that was the important thing. Oh, as long as I... Uh, right, right. It's the most important thing. But really, any... But the problem... It is the most holy thing of the things that we separate, yeah. except if you don't separate all of the tithes, it's still tevil what you have. So it's a, that's the problem. So and they didn't realize that it was just as serious if you don't separate the other tithes. Eating Maser Rishon, if you're not a Levi, not giving it to the uh, not giving it to Levi is not as bad. But if you don't separate it out, even a Kohen has to separate Chuma out of his food in order to make it not tevet. So he says, he went and checked and he saw that everyone was only separating Chuma Gdola. Bil, right, Bilvad, Maser Rishon, Maser Ani, Nami. We didn't require the baker to separate Maser Rishon, just the, mas- the Trumat Maser. In other words, he would separate the Maser Rishon to take the Trumat Maser for the Kohen, and they would keep the Maser Rishon because he, he was allowed to eat it. Also, Maser Ani, since the Aniim can't prove that the person he bought the flower from did didn't really get to it already, so it's allowed to keep it, right? However, Ela Maser Sheni. Why doesn't he have to do Maser Sheni? Maser Sheni, which you take to Jerusalem and eat it. What's the problem? He gets to eat it anyway. Why can't he separate the Maser Sheni from his, uh, from his produce? It says, Amar, what? It has Kedusha, but, but you get to keep it. You take yeah, it, you bring it. Right, so it says, Amar Ula, Mitoch, So he says, what's the, what's the, uh, the, the, the reason was, since the, the administration would always hire these underlings who would harass the bakers to lower their prices, try to, like, price control situation, you know, trying to keep the prices down, bothering them, harassing them, since basically there was a lot of economic pressure put on bakers because bread is the staple food. So there's a lot of, even today, it's, a, it's, it, uh, it's subsidized and controlled by the government, the price of bread, isn't it still? Oh, it's just not that. Yeah. I, but I know that there's certain products even today that they still do that, in I think. Israel, right? in Israel. Oh, in Israel. It is. oh. I thought here also there are certain products that they, the government uh, subsidizes or milk, I think. Yeah. They subsidize the wheat farmers. Oh, they subsidize them. Oh, they don't control the price in the market? It's, look, all I know is the only place that 50 cents can buy you anything is in a bakery. Even today, like like there is nothing you can buy for for fifty cents. But you can buy go in and get like a, a some bread for almost nothing still. Even today, from a bake from a baker. Passover, no, it's not kosher Passover, but <laughs> no, matzah is more expensive. Lechem shehoseotchani. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a, it's a second one. But it's it's it, but if you go and accept, I told the people or Esther. The people in, that own Stop and Shop don't know that Passover is a seven-day holiday, you know? So as soon as the first days were over, they put every single Pesach thing for $1. <laughs> every single Pesach thing was $1. Like, even those cakes that are $10 in the kosher store, it was $1. So, you know, just for future reference, you should remember that. You can get them. But in any case, the, the bread is something that was such a, a, a staple food, so therefore the government officials would harass them to keep the prices very low. And since there was so much pressure put on the bakers already... So the Chachamim were lenient with them about demai, since it was only rabbinic anyway. And why is it only rabbinic? Because we learned that most people did separate all the tithes. It was just that there was a significant minority that didn't. And that's why they made the rule. So they were lenient for commercial level because since that particular business was so pressured already and had so many difficulties with, the, with, uh, with regulation, government regulation and things like that already, so therefore they were lenient with them and allowed them to... Uh, to have that, uh, to keep the Maser Sheni. But it says, it says, my parajin, what are parajin por se? They are the pekidea melech. They are the uh, officers, the clerks, basically, that would, every 12 months, they would have new guys in there that were trying to show that they were tough, you know, and they were bothering all the bakers. So they said, you know what? We're going to give them an easy time. The reason it's brought here is just to show you the parajin 
idea that they, you know, the same, uh, the, the same concept of these uh, clerks that are always the revolving door of clerks that come in and out of that business and they're all trying to show, you know, who's boss. So because they put so much pressure, they were lenient on the bakers and gave them a break. But the, that's not really connected to our topic of Yom Kippur, just another case where that word paradrin was used. Yeah.